that wound up not happening because of the pandemic. And it actually wound up getting better during it. So the real lesson I think I got out of this was that if you persist and you negotiate well, you can get yourself a nice deal. Best ever listeners, I'm proud to announce many masterminds as a component of this year's Best Ever Conference. This year's Best Ever Conference is virtual, so we've added something that we've never done before, and I'm confident you're going to get a lot of value from it. When you join the Best Ever Conference, you will be thoughtfully placed into a mini mastermind group. And to give you an idea of what these mini masterminds are, It's going to be about six to eight people, fellow Best Ever attendees. And if you've attended the Best Ever Conference, you know that the quality of attendees is very high. And we have experienced investors who are also good people. I'm sure there's some bad people out there, but I've never come across them at the conference. They're people who want to help and people who want to network and people who are successful already in commercial real estate. So you'll want to be a part of these mini masterminds. And in these mini masterminds, we're going to thoughtfully place you in a group with other attendees. And you're going to have different meetings virtually with them. And we're going to help facilitate those meetings. So they're going to be all around a topic and each of the masterminds will have a different topic. For example, one mastermind, you'll talk about what resources, relationships, investments, etc. have made the biggest difference in your life and what do you think you're missing for that next big life change or that next big milestone in business. So we're going to prompt your mini mastermind group with a topic and then you all will discuss And we'll do that for seven mini mastermind sessions. So you're going to get to know other attendees really well. And you're going to get the maximum amount of networking opportunities to go deep with people. Because ultimately what I found out is the more people I know is beneficial. But what really moves the needle on business is going deep with a select number of people and really establishing substantive relationships with them. So go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the Best Ever Conference, get thoughtfully placed in the mini mastermind group as a result of that. Mini masterminds are going to start November 1st. And when you sign up now, you're going to lock in the best price because prices go up each week. And on top of this, I'm going to give you a code so that you can get 10% off. And that is MYBEC10. So when you sign up at BEC2021.com, put in the code MYMYBEC10, the number 10, and you'll get an additional 10% off. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome 
to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Charles Seaman. Charles, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Theo. How are you today? I am doing well. Thanks for asking, and thanks for joining us yet again. So Charles's first episode was episode 2081. So make sure you check out that episode to learn more about his background and what he is focusing on today. Because in this episode, being Saturday, we're going to talk about a sticky situation that Charles was in, what the situation was, and how he was able to get out of it and the lessons that he learned. Before that, this reminder, Charles is the Senior Acquisition and Asset Manager of Three Oaks Management. He has 14 years of real estate experience. He has a 92-unit apartment in Georgia, and then the deal we're going to talk about today is a 48-unit in South Carolina that the sticky situation is about. He is based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you can say hi to him at Three Oaks MGMT, and it's the number three as opposed to being spelled out, so three O-A-K-S-M-G-M-T dot com. So Charles, let's just jump right into the situation Saturday. So tell us about this 48-unit deal. Yes, absolutely. So as everybody's aware, the world's changed quite a bit in the last couple of months. And we had this deal on the contract. We first looked at it in late January. And we got it on the contract in mid-February. And at that point, the world was a much different place. Initially, it was a deal that was mismanaged. It had, of the 48 units, 12 vacant units. And it was something that was... An operational play that we were able to go in there and through better management, part of our play was going to be filling the, the vacant units and then also pushing market rents because it's under-rented compared to what it could be. So being that it had so many vacant units, it was initially a deal that was going to be bridge financing. What happened is we had a bridge lender on board. We gave them an application fee. We were ready to proceed. And then on St. Patrick's Day, that was a few days after the pandemic officially was declared. Our mortgage broker gave me a call and said, hi, Charles, I got some bad news here. The, the lender is shutting down their entire bridge program. It has nothing to do with us or with the deal, but just with the overall market conditions, there was too much uncertainty and they didn't want to lend to anybody at that point. And that was the case with most bridge lenders, not just this particular lender, but many bridge lenders in the market. So at that point, we were faced with the situation because we were trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? We were in the middle of our due diligence period. Our money had not went hard yet, but we really had two options. And option one was either to terminate the contract, get our money back and get out of the deal. Or option two was to work with the seller and see what we could do to potentially make it work for both sides. So the agreement that we came to is we liked the deal and we wanted to move forward with it still, but we extended the due diligence period by 60 days and we also extended the amount of time that our money would not go hard for. So the thought was that with the extra 60 days for due diligence, even though all of our due diligence was really done, basically it was just a waiting game to see if market conditions would change and if we'd be able to get bridge financing during that time. So lo and behold, we're midway through the extension. And at this point, surprisingly, during the pandemic, the property actually got stabilized and filled up. So around early May, the property became stabilized and we no longer needed bridge financing, so it was now able to qualify for agency debt, which for anybody brand new is Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And as that happened, it opened up opportunities because for a point, Fannie and Freddie were more or less the only two major lenders that were actively funding multifamily transactions. So at that point, property became stabilized. 
Also in that period, we were able to negotiate a price credit with the seller because initially, while I'm not a fan of retrading, it was something that I thought we really had to do because pretty much anybody that had a deal on the contract pre-COVID got some type of credit for it if they still decided to go through with it. So I said, we'd be foolish not to. So we got a reduced purchase price, property got stabilized, and then all of a sudden we go and we wind up applying for agency debt with one lender. So the lender gave us a term sheet for 75% LTV, which for a tertiary market was pretty good. We weren't initially expecting it to be that high, but that worked out great. And they were projecting a 3.7 rate. All of a sudden, the deal was looking better and better because initially we were looking at it as having to get bridge financing. We said, now we're qualifying for agency debt. We'll have better leverage. We'll have lower rate. and Just overall better terms. So we're starting to look better and better. And initially, we engage with this first lender. And what happens is they go out there, they do their third-party inspections. The appraisal comes back much better than any of us anticipated it would. And overall, most of the boxes that the lender wanted checked got checked. So lo and behold, about a month and a half, two months later, they come back to us and they tell us that their commitment's only going to be for 65% LTV, which very much surprised us because we're saying, well, how did we go from meeting most of the criteria that you have, starting off with 75% on our term sheet, and now we're at 65%. So we said, listen, we're this far in. The last thing we want to do is go out and start with somebody else because that means just negotiating an extension again with the seller and just overall delaying the process and spending more money. But unfortunately, we couldn't get them to budge. And I don't know if we're just overall nervousness from the market conditions the last few months of the pandemic, but they wouldn't budge and 65% LTV wouldn't work for us because that would make our returns not as favorable as they were. So lo and behold, we wound up mixing that deal and we went ahead with a different agency debt lender. So as of right now, we're recording this. The deal isn't actually closed, but we should be closing within the next two weeks. So it looks like everything is moving forward. And with this particular lender, they're going to be right around the 75% LTV and pretty much the same great terms. So what happened is we have a deal that initially started with bridge financing, and that wound up not happening because of the pandemic, and it actually wound up getting better during it. So the real lesson I think I got out of this was that if you persist and you negotiate well, you can get yourself a nice deal. Oh, yeah, that's a great lesson. Congratulations on still being able to hold on that deal. So uh, let's go back a little bit. I just got a few follow-up questions. So you said that you got that call and then you had to brainstorm of what the next move was going to be. How much longer did you have until that money went hard? We had about two weeks. Two weeks? So I got the call from our broker on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, and our money would have went hard on April 3rd. So roughly two weeks left. Perfect. So you went back to the seller and you were able to renegotiate an extended due diligence and a hard money date. Did that require additional money down or did they just accept it because they didn't want to start? They, they accepted it. They could see that we were serious buyers. They could see that we had already done all, all of our due diligence and everything we really needed to on our end. And they understood it was just a byproduct of the market. And that unless they found the buyer who was going to come in there and buy with all cash, that they were probably going to experience the same thing with anybody else. And then my, my main question is, talk about luck that the property was able to be stabilized. Was that something that you knew they were working on? Did they do that because they knew they wouldn't be able to sell it to you if it wasn't stabilized? Or was it just kind of a happy coincidence? It was a happy coincidence. We definitely weren't expecting that, but it gave us another option because 
even in early to mid-May, we were still debating we were really going to be able to qualify for rich financing. So as soon as we heard the deal was stabilized, we said, that's great. Now we can go agency, and that's a non-factor. So what would have happened if it wouldn't have been stabilized? Do you think you would have been able to do the deal, or would you have had to back out? I think we would have backed out and terminated the contract because the bridge terms weren't great beforehand just because it was a tertiary market. But with the amount of bridge lenders that temporarily suspended their programs and post-COVID-19, the terms would have been even worse or our rates would have been higher, our leverage would have been less, and it just wouldn't have made sense for us to go through with it. And then at what point in the process was that purchase price reduced? So that was actually reduced right before we decided to go through with it. Right before we told them, okay, we're going to go through with it and not terminate, I wanted to make sure we can get a reduction because I said it just seemed like we'd be leaving money on the table if we didn't. So did you do the price reduction because you needed to do that in order for the deal to make sense? Or was it a, I know I can do this because of where we're at and this, it's more meat on the bone for us? It was more just that I knew we could do it because of where the market was at. And I said, we could have probably still made it work at the initial number, but it's even better with the lower one. (laughs) How does that negotiation process work? Is it just, you tell your broker, hey, we want to reduce price and then they negotiate with the broker and then kind of comes back to traditional negotiating back and forth on the purchase price? Is that how it works? Exactly. Yep. So what I do is I initially sent the broker an email with a breakdown of the additional cost that we would have went with because at that point, the property... Still wasn't stabilized when we had started that negotiation. So we said, if we went with bridge that, this is what it's going to cost us compared to what it would have cost us before. And we gave them a list of everything. And in particular, the lender required reserves. So even after we went agency, we said, with the lender required reserves, it's still going to be much more than it would have been before. Now, granted, as long as the loan's in compliance and whatnot, we do get that money back after a certain point, but it's still additional money you have to come out of pocket for at the beginning. So I said, I understand that's not the seller's problem, but ultimately it can't be only our problem because I said, if we're raising all that extra money and it's held up by the lender for a year or two years or however long it may be, it's still money that somebody's coming out of pocket for. So it lowers what we were able to pay for that property. And then last question. So you said that you had the brace loan. You didn't do that anymore. You found an agency loan. They had great terms and they changed their mind for some reason. And so you had to go with a different lender, which gave you kind of the original term that the first lender gave you. How long did that process take? Traditionally, it takes a few months to go through that entire process. Did you kind of go through the expedited phase? So with this particular one, what happened is from start to finish, we went seven months. So I joked around and told people it's probably the longest closing we've ever had for a deal with size. (laughs) But from the time we first looked at it, it was January and we're going to be closing it late August. So seven months from start to finish. Thankfully, the second lender was willing to reuse the appraisal report the first lender had gotten, so that saved some time, and he also saved some money so we didn't have to pay for a new appraisal. They did require a new environmental, but at least the appraisal was done, and they were able to reuse that, so it got the ball rolling and allowed them to get a jump start on it. Perfect. Okay, Charles, is there anything else we would to mention about this deal or about your company before we wrap up the episode? Nothing else about the deal, but we definitely like to give people a shout out. Do you have any other questions? Otherwise, I'll give people a quick way to reach me. Oh, no other questions. Feel free to let people know where to find you and learn more about you. Sure. Sounds good. So one of the things I would say, just to give a quick plug, every Saturday afternoon on Zoom, I do an underwriting session. So for anybody who wants the chance to go through and underwrite a multifamily deal and learn how we usually do it, feel free to reach out. You can either send me a text message at 347-306-3278 or an email charles at three, the number three, 
Oaks, O-A-K-S-M-G-M-T.com. And let me know that you heard me on the best ever show and that you're interested in joining the Saturday underwriting session. That's a really good idea. A lot of people want to learn how to underwrite multifamily deals. It's really cool that you walk people through that on actual live deals that you're working on. So Charles, thanks for joining us again on the Situation Saturday and walking us through how you're able to go from having a deal under contract pre-COVID to COVID hitting and having to figure out how to get new financing. Originally had the bridge loan that was not going to work out because the blender shut down its bridge loan division and you only had two weeks until the money went hard. So you had the option to terminate the contract or work with the seller. You extended the due diligence and the hard money date. So you could kind of wait and hope that the market turn around. It didn't, but there's a happy coincidence that midway through the extension, the property was stabilized. And so it now qualified for agency debt. So you didn't have to back out and you were able to also at the same time negotiate a reduced purchase price. And then you had another obstacle where the original agency lender reduced their LTV from 75 to 65, which obviously is a massive increase in the amount of money you need to put down, which reduces the return percentage. And they wouldn't budge. So you went with a different lender who was able to get you not only better terms in the first one, but they were also able to expedite that loan application process. And their overall lesson was just to be persistent and do what you can to keep continue working, grinding. Don't give up and just back out of the deal at the first sign of trouble. And if you are persistent, you'll be able to do a really good deal like you did with better terms, better purchase price, and then you're buying the property at a higher NOI. So Charles, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Best ever listeners as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Here's the problem with virtual events. You don't get to connect with others in the way that you would for in-person events. So with this year's best ever conference, it is virtual and we're fixing that problem. We are introducing many masterminds where you're going to get to know six to eight real estate investors who are accomplished and who will help you and you will help them grow each other's business. Go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the best ever conference and enter the code mybec 10 and you'll get a 10% off on top of the lowest price, which is today because the prices go up each week. BEC2021.com. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com.